Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Take your pick and take your chances. Lone Wolf McQuaid or Redneck Raleigh. What are you doing here? Something to remember you by. Both had a way of bending the law. Welcome to my hacienda. Come on. McQuaid's the one with the badge. Lone Wolf McQuaid. Coming soon from Orion Pictures. Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Again? Nothing up my sleeve. Presto! No doubt about it. I gotta get another hat. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. Hey, this is Ted Nugent celebrating the American dream on Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Welcome to Nostalgic Radio Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google, Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And don't forget to check out our archive page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you can uh, hear all our 500-plus shows that we've done over the last 10 years. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing all right. How about you? Pretty good. Tommy, how are you doing over there on the other side of the... Uh, COVID-19 uh, window. Windshield. Windshield Keeping yeah. my social distance, and I'm You're... doing very well after a very exciting Bill Cochran show. <laughs> <laughs> Big shout-out to our buddy Bill Cochran, who does the Only in America show. Yes, thank show. you for that that, that travel pillow. Uh, definitely, you know, MyPillow.com promo code Bill. Promo hey. code Bill at MyPillow.com. 
you can find us here at Nostalgia Radio and Cars talking about the My Pillow for the next <laughs> two minutes on face, uh, not on Twitter, YouTube, uh, and LinkedIn. You can see all the information, um, get to our links, and obviously on NostalgicRadioandCars.com is where I've made that a one-stop shop where you can, if you want to watch video, if you want to listen to it in your shop, if you want to, you know, listen to it in your car, I've put all the links, everything you can find to every way you can hear us is right there. Oh, yeah. And we do have some Nostalgic Radio and Cars t-shirts. So we have a number of extra larges laying around. So if you guys are still interested, contact us through our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. And we have some Golfstream Motorsports shirts as well. Oh, well, they're yeah. nice. Yeah, you like these. Yeah. Well, we've been wearing them for a while. I think I pretty much have gone through most of them myself because, yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm still on my first one. This is my, my, yeah, you're still on your first one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, so we got an exciting show for you tonight. Bobby, what's going on with uh, FLACarshows.com? Now, we got this uh, mm-hmm. social distancing thing going on. Spikes. But, you know, people are still driving their cars. In fact, on the way here, we saw uh, one of our customers driving his beautiful, stunning black with uh just a gorgeous red leather interior. 1957 Cadillac Eldorado Barrettes going down the road. Now, here it is. So right down six, the road from the station. Right down the road from the stations, yeah. So it's like, uh, what, 6 o'clock in the afternoon. Cooling down. Or in the evening, so cooling good... down. And he's out in his 1957 drop-top Eldorado Barrettes. He also has a number of cars. He's got a 56 Nomad. He's got a really nice old, uh, I think it's an old 120 or 140 Jag. That I think somebody stuffed the V8 in that thing. But anyway, it's a fairly neat old, period-correct kind of vintage hot rods, which... You know, is I'm totally into the period correct thing. I mean, when you hear us talking about serious collector cars, and we will be talking about those a little bit later. You know, gorgeous, gorgeously restored cars. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, we had Tom Shaughnessy on our show, who's a Ferrari expert, and Tom was talking about you know how many hours roughly it takes to restore a really really nice car. So to put it in perspective, let's say a Mustang or a Camaro, eight hundred to a thousand, fifteen hundred hours if you really do a just a really just a full-blown restoration on the Mustang. It's not a real complicated car. A Camaro's not a real complicated car. A Roadrunner, a GTO, uh, Torino's, those are not complicated cars. So it doesn't take a lot. But when you start getting the Ferraris and Mercedes-Benz SLs and uh, Maseratis and stuff like that, the bar just went up quite a bit. If you start getting into Duesenbergs and Delahays and V16 Cadillacs, the bar just really went up there because not only do you have to really have some amazing talent to restore these cars, but you got to have a lot of expertise because you're doing a lot of history on these cars to make sure these cars are correct. Because keep in mind, a lot of the cars out of the 30s were custom-bodied cars. So you bought the chassis, so, you know, and then you had a Dietrich or Murphy or somebody like that build you a really cool body, or some of the companies, country, uh, some of the companies in the chassis, or the coach builders, that's the term they use, uh, in England, you know, that would have done some. So Park Ward or somebody like that. And, uh, but... I'm going to talk a little bit about a car that I went and looked at today. Now, all you guys know that I do diminished value and total loss reports, okay? So this afternoon, my son and I on the way in, we had to do, uh, yesterday I went and looked at a, uh, I had to drive the Sarasota, and I did a 2018 Ford Focus RS that was, uh, had the nose knocked off the front of it. So it's a total loss. So we get in there and we kind of analyze that. That's a relatively simple car. Um, pretty cut and dry. Car's totaled. And uh, the car will then get, uh, you know, we settle it. We kind of, I, I, I do the valuation of the car, what the car's worth one minute before the accident and what's it worth now. And then I come up with a valuation and I submit that to the uh, owner of the vehicle. And she submits that to the at-fault insurance company. And then they uh, basically hire an appraiser that kind of works 
that opposes me, so to speak. And then it's for the 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 task becomes him and I to kind of negotiate the deal. You know what this car is really worth. So he's got his number. I've got my number. And keep in mind, insurance companies, as a rule, and I've said this a hundred times. You know they might have these really cool ads like, "Oh, you're in good hands with X Y Z insurance company," but in all reality, when you come to file a claim. You oh, you're do on not. The cap- copyright line there. Did no, I do that? Kidding. I said, you're good mitts. <laughs> I should say good mitts. Okay, good there you mitts. Go. That's better. Yeah. Pause. Gloves. You're pause. good gloves. Glo- pause, pause. That's go it. Gloves. Yeah, gloves yeah, are good. You know, uh, or what's the other one? Uh, and we, oh, well, we, okay. All right. So That's another show. Just like uh, for your wallet uh, law firm. But okay. at any rate, so we're, we're you, you got to kind of do your due diligence. you got to hire a qualified guy like myself that does appraisals and can put numbers on these cars. I'm a licensed independent car dealer, and I come from the record world. 35 years of this you know, crash car parts business deal. So I kind of, it's ingrained in me. It's it's something I'm really into and I'm passionate about it. So I try to do a good job. So basically, insurance companies, their goal is not to pay you. Their job is to collect your money once a month and if you miss by a couple hours, and they will send you a cancellation notice and uh, that's how they basically operate. Their job is to just make a lot of money and overpay their upper echelon uh, corporate executives and not do anything else. So you have to hire somebody and you gotta be smart and you gotta go after these guys and you gotta fight them because they're not really used to people fighting them because the percentage, this is quite frank, this is amazing statistics, less than 10% of the people fight insurance companies on a claim issue. That's coming from some top people I know that are actually claims adjusters, okay? Those are the guys that work within the insurance companies, come out, look at your car, assess the damage, and write you an actual check. Okay, I'm an appraiser, which means I value, I evaluate what something's worth, and I put a number on it. Okay, so I do, I do that side of it. I mean, that's my capacity. But anyway, insurance companies just don't want to pay you. So the way the game works is pretty cut and dry. Just like when you're going in to trade a car in, wholesale, retail, whatever, their job is to give you the lowest number. My job is to find the highest number. But I try to find the highest retail number that makes sense because in the event that I've got to go to court and testify, which I've been to court before and testified, uh, I've got to make sure that my numbers make sense. So I try to go in there and I try to come up with legitimate, the the most, the highest legitimate number that I can come up with a card that would be the amount of money that it would take to indemnify you, which is a legal term for make you whole again, because that's that's the goal. As an insurance company, you have insurance, it's in the event of a catastrophe or damage or anything like that is to make you whole again. Does it make you 100% whole? No, but as close as they possibly can. So if you get somewhere between 75, 80%, 90% whole, that's by insurance standard, that's, that's extremely well. By the rest of the world, I guess it's pretty good too. But anyway, so today we went and looked at um, another car. It was an unusual situation. And caution to everybody, okay? You go out and you hear people talk about buying rebuildable wrecks. Now there's a lot of guys, in the wrecking yard business, we used to buy a lot of salvage cars. Some of the cars were actually not that badly damaged. Back in the old days, we didn't have airbags, and didn't have all the electronics. So when the car was crashed, you know, it didn't really get totaled out. It was generally based on if it cost more than 75% of the value of the vehicle to fix the vehicle, it was considered a total. Then it was somewhere between 60% and then back up to 80% and so on. Okay, well today, you can have a front end collision, not real bad, but you can deploy all the airbags and wipe out all the sensors in the front and basically just the airbags and the sensors and the and the electronics in the front of the car, never mind the fact that you got probably, you know, radiator, condenser, intercooler, you know, some other stuff that comes back and taps the motor. Um, you, you could total out a car pretty much. So, especially if it's not a real expensive car. Real expensive car is less likely to do so. But at any rate, so a lot of people go out and buy wrecks with a salvage title, okay, and they rebuild them, and then they put it back on the market. 
Well, you can fix a car and you can make it where it's drivable, roadworthy, and it's adequate. But is it the way it ran? Is it the same? Is it in the same condition? as it was prior to the accident. No, nothing is the same way it was. It's not like you're, when you're restoring a car, you're taking this car 100% restoring, operative word restore, 100% disassemble, 100% reassemble, the way it supposedly was when it rolled off the assembly line. So if you're doing a vintage car, you can get pretty close, okay? You can put the car in a jig, you square it up, you do all the right stuff, take your measurements, you weld it together, and it should be a pretty decent car when you're done. That's a restored car. Is it the way it was when it rolled off the assembly line? No, and oh, I take issue with a lot of guys. That's why I'm a proponent of Survivor original, unmolested, uncrashed cars. Not fender bender and stuff like that, that's typical, that's not a big deal. But I'm talking about a car that's messed up. Rusty cars, it's a whole different story and a subject for another day. But we're gonna talk about this car that I looked at today. I looked at a 2002 Ferrari 360 Spider. Okay, the car was purchased by a gentleman uh, with the intent, and it wasn't a hard hit, but it was enough to total a vehicle out. So it got totaled for whatever reason. Okay, at the time when this car was totaled out, it was worth about $75,000, dollars Today, because the market's kind of weird and Ferraris are kind of like, uh, you know, they're still, Ferraris hold their value, I will say that. I mean, they drop substantially, but then they reach a point and they kind of level off right there. So this car's still worth $60,000, $70,000, even though a couple years ago when this car was acquired, it was worth a little bit more. Nonetheless, the person went, and had this car, was taking this car to have rebuilt and fixed and make it streetable with the salvage title, which he paid substantially less for. Generally, the way it works in the wrecking yard business, if I'm buying a salvage car, I'm paying usually seven to 14% for a salvage car. So if the car costs 100 grand, I'm gonna pay somewhere between 7,000 and $14,000 for that wrecked car. If the car is a really unique car and the front of the car is in pretty good shape, let's say the front end hasn't been knocked off it, because when the front end is hit on a car and it's destroyed, it costs substantial amounts of money to repair, Therefore, that car is going to go in the 7% range. Okay, if the car's hitting the side, hitting the rear, something like that, it's going to be a little bit higher. It'll be closer to 14%. If the car is really, really unique and very much in demand, some guys, some salvage guys will pay, or rebuilders, we got rebuilders jumping in there all the time, which is deal with a dealer license. And those guys might tend to pay 18, 19, 20, 22, 23%. And that's about it. Okay, other value of the car. So you think about that. But then it costs, it could cost, like in the case of this Ferrari, it could cost $25,000, $30,000 to put this car back together. You have to think about this stuff. When you buy a car and you rebuild the car, there's no cut rate way to do this, especially on a car that's got sophisticated electronics, sophisticated chassis, which a Ferrari does, okay? It's got aluminum chassis underneath it. Um, there's a, they're very, very intricate cars. I was there with my son, I was showing him, because it's a, the 360's got the engine in the back. So I open up the back hatch, for example, just look at the engine compartment, where it's where the V8 sits, okay? And it's a twin turbocharger, or a single turbocharger, I can't remember now, but it's, it's turbocharged motor. It's got one or two. Most Ferraris do it these days. But at any rate, when you start looking at all the hardware that's back there, when I say hardware, I'm talking about brackets, linkages, you know, suspension pieces, um, uh, engine components, and stuff like that. That's all attached to the back end of the car. It becomes structural. It becomes a structural integrity that kind of holds the whole car together. It's not like a unibody car. It's like a race car. A race car just has a little simple chassis. Then you start bolting, mounting this piece on. Then you start bolting this piece on. A piece of the suspension, a piece of uh, the engine. And it becomes an intricate part of the car, which makes, which translates into the rigidity of the race car or the, the sports car, whatever it is. And it's, it's, it's all essential. So you can't screw around with that. It's not like a unibody car where you can bend it up a little bit or in the old days, a car with a frame, you can just kind of cut and splice and add a piece here, add a piece there, and nobody's really gonna worry about it. But when you get a car that goes 160, 170 miles an hour, 
you need to be concerned about it. So you have to think about this, evaluate. How much is this car gonna cost? There's no shortcut to doing this. You've gotta do it right. And you've gotta hire the professionals, the guy that really knows the car, that's certified to work with weld with aluminum, the guy that's, that has the, the right kind of frame machine, that has the factory jigs. If you crash a Porsche, a Ferrari, an Aston Martin, or anything like that, you the average body shop cannot repair that car. You have to go through a certification to be qualified, trained, and then basically pass a test to be able to even work on these kind of cars. It's kind of like even the Ford trucks with the aluminum bodies. You have to be aluminum body certified. So these are things you need to take in consideration. Now, if you're buying a Mustang and you're slapping it together and you're buying a Camaro and you're slapping it together or a Mopar or Pontiac or something like that, yeah, no big deal. You get these sophisticated cars, you really, really gotta think about it. On that note, while Tommy's over there stuffing his face, did I say that? I'm sorry, Sami. Sami, he's just there munching away. He works all day long, and he's just now getting around to his lunch. So anyway, so he's going to fire up the stereo, and we're going to play, how about a little Charlie Daniels, because this is a tribute to Charlie Daniels. And again, how about a hey, uh, hey there, hi there, ho there, and a big uh, uh, late happy 4th of July to everybody. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgia Greeting Cars, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Chevrolet talking on a number and digging on the radio. Just as I crossed the Mississippi line, I heard that highway start to whine, and I knew that left rear tire was about to go. Well, the spare was flat, and I got up tight, cause there wasn't a filling station in sight, so I just limped on down the shoulder on the rim. I went as far as I could, and when I stopped the car, it was right in front of this little bar, kind of a redneck-looking joint called the Dewdrop Inn. Well, I stuffed my hair up under my hat and told the bartender that I had a flat and would he be kind enough to give me change for a one. Well, there was one thing I was sure proud to see. There wasn't a soul in the place except for him and me, and he just looked disgusted and pointed toward the telephone. I called up a station down the road a ways, and he said he wasn't very busy today, and he could have somebody there in just about 10 minutes or so. He said, now you just stay right where you're at. And I didn't bother to tell the darn fool that I sure as hell didn't have any place else to go. I just ordered up a beer and sat down at the bar when some guy walked in and said, who owns this car with the peace sign and the mag wheels and four on the floor? Well, he looked at me and I damn near died. And I decided that I'd just wait outside. So I laid a dollar on the bar and headed for the door. Just when I thought I'd get out of there with my skin, these five big dudes come strolling in with this one old drunk chick and some fellow with green teeth. And I was almost at the door when the biggest one said, you tip your hat to this lady, son. And when I did, all that hair fell out from underneath. Come enjoy the best brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. 
Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. Okay, we're back. Bobby, what are we watching there? We're watching Wayne Carini. Uh, yes. we, we haven't had Wayne on our show in a while, and it's chasing... Cl- you know what? i got to get back out on the road. I haven't done this in a while. I haven't uh, chased some really cool cars here. But uh, how about a couple shout-outs, Bobby? Want to give us some shout-outs to some people here? Let's just do the... Your, oh, the, the, yeah. What's going on yeah. with the FLA Car well, Shows? Yep, yeah. Check them out. FLACarshows.com. FLACarshows.com. Get your events updated. Tell us what's going on. Um... Let's see, the Rib Shack Barbecue, uh, downtown Largo, 727-501-9090, or with Uber Eats or Bite Squad if you're here in the Tampa Bay area and are just craving barbecue as we definitely are right now, um, that's that's the quickest way to get it to your house. Yep. And uh, you got some too, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now, hey, I want to give a big shout-out to a friend of mine here. I just met this guy, but he's been doing an okay job for me. Um, I'm not... In too bad health, but uh, I do have. Uh, I've been throwing a lot of stuff around, so my back's been killing good me. So respiratory health. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> so I'm going to give uh, a big shout out to uh, my new bone cracker friend. He's a chiropractor, and he's up in Crystal River. His name's Bo Smith. So uh, if and I will tell you that you know, you know it, it's kind of a natural process, you know, and it takes a little bit of time. It doesn't not something that happens overnight. But Bo does a pretty good job. He's a kind of a car guy, which is really cool. He's in the trucks. He's a welder. He used to ride race, race motorcycles. Wrestler, martial arts, so he's kind of, kind of. We have we have a lot in common. We kind of met at an auction we were at about a couple of weeks ago when we were looking at tractors and, uh, and dump trailers and, uh, and 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 stuff like that. But at any rate, uh, so I've been going there for a little bit, and so I just thought uh, I said, you know, Bo, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you a shout out on my uh, Ray Didio show. So if you need uh, need to be stretched out a little bit and ironed out and uh, you know kind of adjusted a little bit, you know, just like everybody else, you know, you, your body needs a tune up just like your car does, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. it's a number of things, and the care, you know, you got to eat right, and you got to put the right stuff in there, just like you got to put the right gas and oil in your car. So uh, give Bo a call if you need to get uh, straightened out a little bit. His number is uh, 352-794-1778. Mention Robert, Nostalgia Goodwin Cars, and he'll give you an extra crack. But at any rate, um, yeah, so on these cars, if you guys are going to go out and buy cars, be very, very, very cautious about buying a wreck. And here's the other thing, and I cannot stress this enough. When you buy a car, when you buy a car, no matter what it is, okay, and we've got a couple auctions coming up. You know, we've got uh, Meekum's going to do their auction. Our friends at Lake are doing an auction Monday night. You know, but you really need to look at the car ahead of time. You really need to look at the car ahead of time. Check the car out. Don't buy anything sight unseen. And if you are going to buy something sight unseen, okay, here's the caveat. Contact the auction company because all the auction companies generally have somebody there that can make a physical inspection, have an appraiser on site to check it out, make sure you're getting what is represented. Because the auctions, you don't fault the auctions. The auctions are just selling the car. The owners are the ones that represent the car. They're the ones that write that give the descriptions of the vehicle to the auction company, and that's basically how they represent the vehicles. But you need to do your due diligence and check the cars out themselves. Tommy, why don't you go ahead and fire up the stereo? Let's do a 
How about we're going to jump into the 80s, back in the hair bands. Um, speaking of hair, I got a haircut last week, but you can't really tell, I guess. And Please we're going to play. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go. Uh, here's one of my favorite guitarists. Uh, here's a little Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen. And I like David Lee Roth. I like Sammy Hagar too, but I think, uh, the, you know, it's kind of like the original lineup. You know, it just worked really, really well. Hey, would you tune in to Nostalgic Renewing Cars? We'll touch that. We'll be right back with our special guest for the evening. Joe. Joe Banks. Lived a very boring life. Good morning, Dee Dee. Hi, Joe. What's with the shoe? Losing my soul. Yeah. Until one day, he found out his life was over. I'm not sick except for this terminal disease. That's right. You have some time left, Mr. Banks. Live it well. And that's... Joe Banks? When his adventure began. You and I might be able to help each other. I want to hire you to jump into a volcano. Total red carpet situation. It's wine, women, and song in the sweetest little paradise you ever saw. A real journey. Are you Joe Banks? Yeah. Brothers presents Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Joe, Joe, Joe Banks, in the story of a man, a mountain, and a miracle. Take me to the volcano! He's diving! He's jumping! He's leaping! Written and directed by John Patrick Shanley, the Academy Award-winning writer of Moonstruck. I love you. I love you, too. I've never been in love with anybody before, either. It's great. I am glad. But the timing stinks. I gotta go. Joe versus the Volcano.
Hey, the Red Rocker Sammy Hagar here, and you are listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Ah, woo, good God, woo. Okay, we're back, and you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This lady is the director of Collector Cars Lake Auction, which is part of the largest auction conglomerate in the world, Ritchie Brothers. I'm delighted to welcome the show this evening, Muffy Bennett. Muffy, how you doing? I'm fantastic, Robert. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm delighted. We've been talking about this uh, for a number of years. I see you guys, you and your uh, cool, cool husband, Gary, old buddy of mine, at uh, all the auctions and uh, SEMA all the time. So uh, this year I'm disappointed. A lot of the events aren't taking place, but there's a lot of online stuff going on. So why don't you share with us what uh, Lake is up to this coming Monday, in fact, right? Yes, in fact, uh, Richie Brothers and Lake Auction Company did a hard pivot and went from live auctions uh, to uh, 100% online and simulcast. As a matter of fact, we've got our first collector car auction coming up this uh, uh, July 13th at 2 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, We've got only a a hand-select set of vehicles, or 60 of them in total. Uh, A really good mix, something for everyone. So it should be it should be a great time. I personally assisted the group with, with picking some of the vehicles, and, and there's something in there truly for all ranges of the collector car fans. So what are some of the feature cars? What are a couple up there that uh, kind of strike your fancy? Oh, my gosh, Robert. You know, <laughs> I'm, my heart is like a timeshare. It's really difficult to pick. Uh, <laughs> we've, 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 we've got uh, an Apache truck. I absolutely adore Apache trucks. Uh, we've also got a uh, couple of Thunderbirds for those Thin fans, the, the baby birds, the 55, 6, and 7. Uh, we've got a Ferrari as well, uh, one of the Magnum PI Ferraris. That, you know, it, it's really a wild mix. Check it out on uh, lakecar.com. Well, Muffy, why don't you go ahead and give us a little background on yourself? Um, I was reading your bio. And I always love it when the guests talk about it because you guys, when you when when the guest sits there and talks about their 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 past and their their kind of like their foray into the car world, it's just uh, you can you can sense the passion. So tell us about it because you started at a very early age, um, really taking uh, taking to cars and, and motorcycles. In fact, yeah, yeah, I actually uh, started to fall in love with motorcycles as a really young child, asking my mom to take me into the Kowiski dealership. Uh, as we know them, a Kawasaki dealership. They had a lineup of <laughs> motorcycles out front, and uh, I just I love the bikes, the shiny chrome two-wheeled things. I didn't want a bicycle. I wanted a, a motorcycle. And that's kind of where it started. Uh, my love for cars didn't develop from, say, a father or a brother-type uh, figure. It, we really don't know where it came from. Uh, loved Corvettes as a youngster. Loved the big spin cars. Uh, really started to develop my passion in high school. Um, my boyfriend at the time, his father had a 59 Ford Thunderbird in, in, uh, in Teal, and I asked, asked my mom to make my prom dress to actually make, match the vehicle. Uh, I looked horrific, just giant Teal nightmare. Uh, but the weekends during my high school years were uh, reserved for going to collective car shows. Uh, the longest running impromptu car show in America is actually in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's held at the Pavilion uh, at a McDonald's, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And it usually brings several hundred vehicles, all makes and models, even late model stuff um, and tuners. So we're, we're embracing the younger generations as well. So 
Anyway, uh, I got into buying and, and remarketing and reselling cars uh, in the 2000s. I had a great career doing that. Um, when I was asked by Sarah uh, uh, Jackson to come on board and, and spearhead their entry into a collector car dealership, which complemented their auction model. And uh, from there, I was scouted by Richie Brothers, actually uh, one of their subsidiaries, Iron Planet, to come on board and, and build a collector car auction division from scratch, uh, wherein they decided to take a different segue and purchase Lake Auction Company, use as a basis so they could enter the market faster. Uh, and that's where I'm at today. I, I work alongside some of the most amazing talents in the industry, um, most of whom I have met uh, during my tenure at Barrett-Jackson. My husband uh, works alongside me, Gary, as you indicated earlier. He was the vice president of Barrett-Jackson for roughly 18 years. He's been a buyer and seller there since the position in uh, 1971. Wow. That's, no. that's pretty much it. Well, now you have you have a but you come from a different background. You actually come from the uh, entertainment and sports world to some extent, but also you're a paralegal. So you come from the law and legal side of things. Tell us a little bit about that and how that uh, transitioned into the car world. Well, you know, everybody's got jobs that they don't put on their resume. The first job that actually made it on my resume, uh, I worked for a law firm, and I I didn't have any experience, even except for I was good with computers, and I was really good at typing. Uh, so I walked into a law firm, because I was sick of working two mundane jobs at local restaurants to try and pay for my college education, and I, I told these guys, listen, I'll work for you for two weeks for free, and if you don't like me, no harm, no foul, let me go, but I think I can bring a lot to the table. So I got my start in law in the late 90s, excuse me, uh, early 90s. And uh, from there, I went to work with really large firms, including a company called Greenberg Traurig, wherein I was asked to work on uh, the, in, in the sports and, and entertainment sector. And uh, actually got to work on the Minnesota Vikings transaction when Red McCombs sold it to Ziggy Wilf and, and his associates uh, back in the early 2000s. So it's been a fantastic ride, and that, that particular career has afforded me a, a lot of... Um, experience in developing my own company, uh, Bennett Automotive Specialist, and I bring a lot to the table to my current employer when it comes to uh, transaction law and contract law, and that's, that's the basis of my experience. It, it was, it's been fun. I really do enjoy law. Um, I don't enjoy litigation. Uh, that's not really my forte, but contract law is really my forte, and, and it's, been, it's been a great ride, and, and it's really complimentary to what it is I do today. Now, I have to ask you this. This is a side note. So which university did you go to? I actually went to Scottsdale Community College. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Um, so you're a native then of, of uh, Phoenix, Scottsdale area then, right? Well, I've been here so long. I think they grandfather you in after about 30 years. I've oh, been okay. here for 40 years. Uh, I actually was born in, in Massachusetts in a small suburb of, of, uh, of uh, Boston. Um, and moved out here when I was, oh, too young to remember. Um, but a lot of my family's back east in, in Massachusetts still. The rest of them are out here in Arizona on the West Coast. I love Arizona. It's the collector car hub of the world. I mean, you can drive to work. You'll see at least one or two of them on the freeways getting there. Uh, it, it, it's a fantastic place to, to live. Um, climate's dry. It's really good for cars, as you can imagine. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of them out here. So, and as you know, there's Arizona Auction Week, which 
Lake Auction Company participated in for the first time ever in Scottsdale this past January. Yeah, and you had a very noted, uh, notable collector car auction there. It was uh, John Stalupi out of our part of the world, Florida, down here, right? Yeah, yeah. John consigned his entire collection of cars to us, and we auctioned them all up. And it was amazing. John has a phenomenal collection, mostly 50s and 60s vehicles, uh, but he's also got some, or had some amazing late model stuff, too. He actually sold serial number one of the 1957 Chrysler 300B, and they built 484 of those at the factory in convertible back in the day. And we sold serial number one and set a world record. So it was it was an amazing event uh, all the way around. I mean, the attendance was superb. Um, the vendors had a great time. Everyone had a really good experience. We got a lot of great feedback from both both um, buyers and sellers. Uh, sellers have been looking for something new and exciting and different aside from uh, the, the existing auction companies, which were here in the Valley. Uh, we really did fit in great and, and really did make a fantastic first impression. Now, they, um, you were out here a few years ago when, when Richie Brothers acquired Iron Planet, which acquired Lake. I remember that, okay? And then you were here, uh-huh. they were doing like a little uh, promotional auction, and you had a 69 Shelby, because I'm a Shelby guy, um, here in Orlando at Ritchie Brothers Auction. Now, I kind of asked you back then, and I know it was a little early, but now that you've kind of like uh, got your, oh, let's just say your your feet in the water a little bit, is there a possibility that, that uh, Ritchie Brothers and Lake together with you and your team and Gary and everybody are, would, would consider doing an auction here in Florida now? In the Orlando yes, area. But, in the Orlando area. Yes. Yes, actually, we have discussed it on several occasions, and it's certainly uh, not out of the realm of possibility, of having one actually on the Ritchie Brothers grounds there. Now, you, they've got a great facility on the outskirts of Orlando, um, as you can testify to. A lot, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. uh, lot of acreage. Uh, all we need to do is slap down some pavement and put some, some temporary structures up. Yes, that's definitely something we are looking at. I can't really give you an estimate right now simply because I don't know what the future holds as a result of of this COVID-19 outbreak. Mm -hmm. Um, As as you can imagine, a lot of live events have been placed on hold, and that's one of the things that we've done as well. But we absolutely love that area. It is a fantastic place to conduct a a collector car auction. As you know, Barrett-Jackson has hosted several ones up in West Palm Beach area. But I believe that Orlando and that the outskirts have a lot of potential right there. So yes, definitely, definitely on our radar. Okay, good. Now for our listeners, I'm going to let you do it. Tell people who uh, Richie Brothers really is. I know who they are. I've been there a number of times. But tell everybody a little bit about Richie Brothers, real quick. Of of course, I'd be happy to. Richie Brothers is the largest auction company in the world, and they specialize predominantly in uh, selling used heavy equipment. Uh, they have uh, over five. Oh, excuse me, $4 billion market cap right now, which is phenomenal. And close to, I want to say, last I heard, 3.9 registered uh, bidders, which were active last quarter alone, which is incredibly substantive when you think about all the other auction firms. I mean, I don't know what their exact figures are, but when you have that kind of reach, uh, it truly is a, a testament to the brand. They are the best in the industry. Um, they are certainly the best when it comes to uh, when it comes to um, moving the heavy equipment and maximizing all the potential that it has. 
Now, how many auctions a year do they have? Because I know the one in Orlando here, and then for all you guys that that, that know me that drive, if, uh, if you're listening, is if you go up north on I-75 or I-4 and you just pass 27, up on the left there you'll see Richard Brothers. And it's, I don't know how many acres, a couple hundred acres at least up there with heavy equipment. But that auction is generally once a year. So is that the kind of like the way Richie Brothers does their deal? They have a giant auction at, at uh, various locations around the world, right? That's pretty much how they operate. Yeah, it, it is. They're not normally as large, though. They're, that is the largest one that Richie Brothers has, and they tend to have them at the various sites at least quarterly. Okay, uh, quarterly. But that one is truly the biggest one that they hold. It's absolutely huge. I want to say it's typically, in the past several years, a $300 million uh, endeavor. They usually break, sell uh, uh Three hundred or so million dollars worth of heavy equipment, which is incredible. I mean, it's it's it, it's mind blowing, truth be told. And uh, I, I neglected to mention earlier, uh, Richie Butters has a four billion dollar market cap. It's that, huge. That's huge. And like you said, what three billion registered bidders, something like that, or three million, or how many people? Three three point nine million. That's a lot of people. That's an amazing reach when you think about that. And now, for those of us that are in the collector car world, those people are now exposed to lake auctions. So that's a you know that's that's huge. That's huge. Exactly. Yes, we're trying really hard to bring this to a different type of uh, buyer. We're trying to expand collector cars' reach by using these these folks. And the, you know, guys that guys and girls that like heavy equipment tend to like anything with an engine. This is true, and that's what we're that's what we're betting on. There's a lot of crossover, and it's been it's it's proven to be really really beneficial to the collector car hobby, and and also you know when you think about it, these guys they have kids, they have grandkids, and uh, they they just absolutely love cars, and and it's been a great exposure for all generations. Now, tell us a little bit about uh, Bennett Automotive, because that's something that you and your husband still do. So you still buy and sell some cars on your own. And then also you're involved with, what, a couple of auctions? You do some bid spotting for some auctions? You know, I used to, Robert. Bennett Automotive is, is kind of sort of a holding company now. Okay. It's what we put our, our collection in. Okay. We used to do a lot of buying and selling on behalf of high net worth individuals um, and also uh, you know provide consultations as well, and storage and vehicle concierge services. So say we have a gentleman, we once had a client who was a, a billionaire and he had 20 cars. We'd store them for them, maintain them, and if, you know, he got a wild hair and wanted a, a particular car dropped off at a particular time, we'd ensure that that got covered and handled. Uh, we also would do appraisal services. We really, we can't do much along the lines of buying and flipping, because that competes with what it is that we do right now. Okay. Um, so any of those services have been moved over to Richie Butters, so we do them under the lake banner right now. So, But it, it's been a fun run, and we do, as I indicated, still have several of our personal collection that's, that's sitting in that holding company right now. You mentioned the uh, pavilion, and I know I've been going out to Scottsdale since, uh, Jesus, the early 80s, and uh, so I'm very familiar with that. And um, now with this COVID thing going on right now, are they, now here in Florida, they're still, you know, even though it's not well advertised or publicized, but there's still a lot of car guys that get together and still hang out in parking lots and stuff like that. Is there anything going on at the pavilion? No, unfortunately there isn't. If, um, they've, they've 
suspended that whole deal, and McDonald's doesn't support it. Now, I, I think if a few people were to show up, I don't think they'd exactly throw them out. Okay. But the problem is, Robert, it's 115 degrees here right now, so oh, there's yeah. not much going on. <laughs> when it, yeah, so there's not much going on when it comes to car shows. Now, I suspect, to your point, that when things cool off a little bit, uh-huh. you're going to have a bunch of us car guys and car girls congregating. I just don't know if it'll be at the pavilions, but it'll be somewhere, I can tell you that, because... It, I, as you know, it's a really social environment. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves to get together. It's like old home week, mm-hmm. you know, meeting new people. It's, they're going to end up congregating. You really can't stop them. I just hope they wear their their masks and they <laughs> stay six foot apart. <laughs> well, now, are you? Do you see? Now, I've seen this here in Florida now. So a lot of guys don't necessarily are not. I mean, you have the small groups that are getting together as, as hardcore guys, okay? Yeah, but it's just kind of mm-hmm. like buds hanging around. But there's a lot. I see a lot more cars driving and in Florida. We don't have the heat that you have. We have the humidity that's worse, okay? So, but we still have people driving the cars in the evening, a lot of guys with the top down and still cruising. So are you are you seeing more and more cars, more and more people kind of cruising in the evenings a little bit? Because the weather's really actually not that bad there in Scottsdale in the evening. Although, I will say, yeah, it's it was 116 one time when I was there in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> you will see them driving around usually after the sun goes down, and it's okay. only about 90. Uh, you know, it, it's still tough on them. It really is. They did have a huge cruise uh, about two weeks ago. There was a mall out here, as you can imagine, um, back in the day when you're you're in high school. I'm sure that there was a place where you guys would cruise around yep. and you know, and and pick up members of the opposite sex or whatever and and congregate. We so this was one of those malls, and it's called Metro Center, and and Metro Center regrettably was a victim of COVID. Oh. And they closed the mall, and but everybody who used to cruise there in the late seventies, eighties, and nineties went and cruised there one last time. And Gary and I went out there and overheated in the Thunderbird oh. <laughs> because the, the traffic was so bad. But it's just it's what you do, yeah. But and, and and like you said, you know when it when it does get dark out here, they do tend to come out. Um, they'll, they'll, they usually wait until a little bit later on in the season because right now, uh, unlike you guys, well, you guys have tropical storms. We deal with monsoon storms, which means a dust storm can kick up at any given moment, and then it'll throw it down a combination of rain and mud. So us diehards tend to stay home, but you do still see some of them congregating, cruising around when it gets dark out. So, And I can't wait to get back to those days. I really do miss it. You know, car shows are, are our lifeblood. Gary and I were always going out on the weekends in the autumn, winter, and spring and, and visiting with people and taking a car out and hanging out in parking lots and doing what we do. And so I, we, we can't wait for that to come back around again. I was reading your, uh, one, a, a little article there about you that you uh, sold. You, have the, you hold the distinction of selling a 1957 Ford retractable F-Code, and I'm thinking that's a supercharged car, for a record 330000 Now, the reason I brought this up is because the other day I was cruising through Brooksville, and I was driving through, cutting through the neighborhoods because I still look for cars. It's just a, a habit. And then the guy's driveway was two, was a 57 and a 58 Ford retractable, just sitting there, project cars. But tell us how that 57 Ford retractable that you sold was able to command a $330,000 price tag. Even though it's rare, very rare, especially with a supercharged motor, right? Yeah, it was incredibly rare. Some, you know, regrettably, the, um, the records on those cars were destroyed. The only cars that uh, they, they actually had records for were um, 
the regular Thunderbirds and, and the other Ford products. But for some reason, the Fairlanes and Skyliners, they, they didn't have any records for those. So I bought this car. It was a one, excuse me, a two-owner vehicle when I purchased it. And it was a beautiful color combination. Now, obviously, you've seen these cars. They're phenomenal because mm-hmm. they, had, they have the hard top, retractable tops, which have a whopping 19 solenoids in them. And if you don't operate that car when that, when it's, that top, when it's absolutely flat, it can be a real nightmare. Um, I bought this thing for just under $100,000 through another, I don't know, an estimated 10 into it worth of work. I had it color sanded and buffed. I had it, uh, you know, detailed down to the nines. I had all the stainless polished. Uh, and because it was so rare, they, some say seven were built. Some say 14 were built. We really don't know. Um, a collector, a couple of collectors bid against it uh, at Barrett Jackson at Scottsdale on Saturday night. It got a really great lot number. And, and I set a world record. I, I couldn't believe it. I was just hoping to make a little bit of money because that's what I do. But it actually set a world record. And it was a phenomenal car. I mean, not only was it a beautiful color combination, but it had full owner pedigree and provenance that had been fully restored. Just needed a little bit of TLC to take it to the next level. And uh, literally, when I, when I used to sell cars, I would stand out there with the vehicle from the time that Barrett would open until it closed and talk to anybody and everybody and explain, you know, how rare this car was, how different this car was. And I believe it went to a collector in Texas. So it's, it's part of a really great collection somewhere in the Texas area. It really truly was a phenomenal piece and a testament to the Ford brand. Well, they're pretty amazing cars. Like you said, uh, I think they made the retractables 57, 58, 59, and uh, they're still very sought after. So that's, uh, and that's an amazing car. But the fact that that was supercharged, that made it unusually rare. That was really cool. Um, motorcycles. I know you're into motorcycles. And I know when we had Gary on the show here a while back, just before uh, Scottsdale, he mentioned that that's how you guys kind of met. You were in the bikes. He was in the bikes. And uh, so what kind of bikes are you guys riding today? Did he tell you that he blew dirt and racing fuel and crap all over me when he met me? No, he didn't say that part, but you can go into the details. We love details. <laughs> so I, I went out for a motorcycle ride one night, and I went to a local bar here in town. And uh, I sat outside, and I had my nachos. And I can't remember if it was a Corona or some other awful beer I was drinking or a Diet Coke. <laughs> I mean, usually, on, usually on two wheels, I'm one beer and then like three Diet Cokes. Okay. Uh, so anyway... There was a big V8 motorcycle parked in front of me. It wasn't your typical Boss Haas type build. Uh, yeah. It didn't have a frame, as a matter of fact. The guy comes out of the bar, hops on this bike, fires it up, and blows crap all over me and my nachos. Oh. <laughs> he, he came back shortly thereafter, and we got to talking, and he still owes me nachos. That being said, <laughs> yes, I, I love motorcycles. Gary and I have a bunch of motorcycles. In fact, we've got three of them in the dining room. Whoa! Uh, and and one uh, one uh, Mustang motor scooter, some 1957 Mustang motor scooter, up in one of our art niches, uh-huh. and another 57, uh, 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 another 57 Mustang, excuse me, Cushman Eagle, up in the other art niche. Okay. Um, I uh, right now I've got a I've got a Harley Road Glide uh, special that I take out on rare occasion. Uh-huh. It's not this hot out. And Gary's got a few Harleys. We've got a Ducati. Oh. Um, yeah, it's a real eclectic mix. 
Okay. Now we got a minute or so left. Why don't you? Yeah, about a minute. Even though cars, I know Gary. I think didn't he just get a? Uh, I know he's a Cobra guy, but I think he just got a Ford GT, or you guys got a Ford GT, and then you drive like a Ferrari of some kind. Actually, yes, we have a, a one of the new Ford GTs in our collection. Uh, uh-huh. It's the Heritage Edition. It pays tribute to the '67. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, it's the red and white livery. Um, and I actually have a Lamborghini Huracan, okay. which uh, won't keep up with them, but hey, it can try. Uh, <laughs> we we do we really do like exotics, you know. We uh, and the Ford GT is is an amazing piece. Um, no real intention of selling it as of right now, uh, and, and I know that they're continuing to make them, which is fabulous. We're really excited about that. Just knowing that there's going to be more of them out there for people to enjoy, because as you know, there were. Uh, 6,000 or so applicants and only uh, uh, like a 500 or so of them to be built upon initial production. Um, and, and it's it's an interesting car. It's not, it's, it's obviously a race car, so it can be a little tough on the streets around here to drive. doesn't have any creature comforts, but it, it truly is phenomenal. And, uh, of course, the Lamborghini is what it is. You know, they're cool cars. I love, I love them. You know, it's the second one that we've owned. We had a coupe before this, and this one's a Spider. Uh, it's a four-wheel drive deal. It truly is amazing. Well, Buffy, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. I definitely want to have you on again. Let's just do this. You know, let's make it a date here in a couple. And Gary won't get upset. Um, we'll do this. You know, six, seven months down the road, just before Scottsdale. Hopefully, everything will be better. But in the meantime, real quick, one more shout out to let everybody know how they can find out about the auction Monday night or Monday afternoon. They can learn. They can learn more by going to lakecar.com, and that's spelled L-E-A-K-E, car.com. Super. Thank you for having me on, Robert. Appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Okay, thank you. Say hi to Gary for me. Hey, all my listeners, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Nostalgia Winning Cars. I want to thank my very special guest this evening, Muffy Bennett. And don't forget to check us out here every Tuesday night on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Don't forget to check out our website, golfstreammotorsports.com. I want to see you guys in some of these cars. Get out here and drive. Have fun. And let's see. Anything you want to say, Bobby? That's it. It's Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn. That's right. Tell your friends. Don't forget to tune in every Tuesday night here. In the meantime, we'll see you at some of the cars. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.